You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Time to lock and What's up and welcome back to the Lockdown Bucks podcast. I'm James Jericho, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com. Make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at Jarko underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Happy New Year, Locked On Bucks listeners. New year, new intro theme. Uh, we're going to have some fun with it. David, there have been quite a few moves by the Buccaneers. Since we recorded with Paige, as far as players going out, we talked about it with Paige. Deshaun Jackson is gone. Adam Humphreys is gone. Quan Alexander is gone. They've also let go of Brian Anger, the punter. Darius Taylor signed a deal as a free agent to go elsewhere. But they've started bringing guys in. They agreed to a one-year, $2.5 million deal with Dion Buchanan. They signed uh, the punter, uh, I, I just forgot his name, uh, Pinion, from the 49ers to a four-year deal. They have, who else? Help me out here. Peyton Barber's coming back on a one-year deal. Ryan Griffin's coming back. Ryan Griffin's coming back. Of course, the, the big fallout from the... Odell Beckham Jr. trade to Cleveland. Brashad Perryman gets out of his verbal agreement, and he comes to Tampa to kind of fill in that that Deshaun Jackson deep threat for one year and $4 million. So lots of moves being made. None of them are big moves, and people are still freaking out, and it's getting to the point where I'm just going to start muting everybody on Twitter because it's, it's out of control. We knew the situation coming into the offseason. We knew they weren't going to be players for these huge names. They're going after these veteran players, players that are familiar with Bruce Arians and Todd Bowles and and those systems, players that you can get on a short-term, low-cost bridge deal that can also come in and contribute and help this team. So, you know, there's still going to be more moves to be made, but so far I like what the Bucs have done. A lot of people have reported. I think Amon, I think Greg Amon was the first one I really saw kind of telling people on Twitter to to kind of chill and and be ready for a fairly quiet free agent period, at least the first, you know, half of the free agent period, because the Buccaneers don't have a lot of ways to move around money and shift cap space. And yes, there's players that could be released. And of course, you know, those of us on the outside looking in, looking at the the roster as it is on paper, can see a whole lot of places where players can remove. And we've talked about some of those players, and some of those players have been moved, like like Deshaun Jackson, like uh, Brian Anger. I mean, we he was one of the guys we talked about. Uh, you can't when you're so uh, cash strapped, and Mitch Onron. Yeah, I mean, when you're when you're as cash stra- cash strapped as this team is, you can't really justify paying a punter three million dollars. And when you have a head coach who's motto life motto is no risk it no biscuit i don't imagine uh this team is looking to use a punter enough to warrant a three million dollar salary and he was on the books scheduled to make four million next year so i mean it was just best to to cut ties you know before you even enter that those waters 
so all together. So it just made it made a lot of sense. Uh, Mitch Unrein, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, with the whole concussion thing, I mean, you feel for the guy as an individual human being, um, but as a team, and and that's kind of the business side of this whole thing. Uh, you you just kind of had to to move on and you know let bygones be bygones, and hopefully uh, he can continue with with whatever he plans on doing uh, with his future. But you know, there's a lot of people, and, and it's 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 rough. You know, I, I get it. it. It's hard to watch all these other teams, the Cleveland Browns, going out and making all these moves and these splash signings and breaking news from Ian Rappaport and NFL Network, and and I got it. But at the end of the day, not there's not 31 other teams out there making all these splash moves. It's really, if you look at it, it's about a handful of teams that are making a whole lot of moves. And part of it's part of it's from the Rams. The the Rams went out last off season and did a, did a similar type of blitz, you know, attack in the off season uh, to get some big name contracts and then move some money to get to, to secure Aaron Donald. And they made a playoff run and they made a Super Bowl push. So a lot of teams, you know, it's copycat league. So the Browns kind of see themselves as, you know, well, hey, we have a quarterback who's pretty young and pretty hot, and we've got a decent defense, we've got a decent offense. What if we go make some splash moves this offseason? Maybe we'll be in the Super Bowl. Uh, next season and they might however the buccaneers aren't in that position the buccaneers don't have a hundred million dollars in cap space they don't have all the all that room and like some people have pointed out they've got future contracts to worry about they've got Jameis winston who if he pans out is going to need a brand new contract next offseason or during this season so they can't go putting themselves right on the cap line again and then i mean you're what the cap is going to increase next year is not going to be enough to to sign a quarterback a franchise quarterback if that's what they believe Jameis Winston is after the 2019 season. I don't know. I don't. I don't get so much frustrated by the fans. I mean, the ones who who kind of scream the loudest about you know, some of this stuff. I just honestly I just kind of keep scrolling. What really, what really, I don't want to say bothers me, but for lack of a better term, I'll say bothers me is that a lot of these guys who are yelling the loudest about missing out on players are the ones who are also yelling that Jason Light isn't good because the Bucks are low on cap space for the first time in his tenure as a general manager. So. On, on one side of the coin, he's bad because they're having to make moves to free up cap space. But on the other side of the coin, they're bad because they're not chasing big dollar free agents. But I don't know. Like, it just doesn't seem to make sense to me. Like You want your general manager to spend money, but then at the same time, you want to criticize him for having spent money. But do you understand <laughs> what I'm saying? Why it doesn't, yeah. see, it doesn't really sit right? Yeah, it's it's the... You know, exactly what you're saying. It's It's those people that are screaming, why aren't you signing anyone? And then in the same breath saying, well, he sucks as a GM. He, he never look at all of his, his signings that have failed. It's like, yeah. you can't have it both ways, but so far, I mean, I, I think what the bucks have done is, is the right approach. And David, when we were in Indianapolis and I, I asked Jason light when he was at the podium, how much more difficult this off season is than, than in years past when he's had, had all this money to spend and and this year he doesn't have this this excess amount that he can go out and just you know pay whatever player they want. And he said we've had better luck with the second and third wave of free agents anyway. So that's what we're going to focus on. So you know, yeah, they're not going to be one of these guys that you know are blowing the doors off of these free agents. They weren't going to give Lev Bell fifty five million dollars. They weren't going to give Tyron Matthew you know, $14 million a year there. It's, it's just, even if they had the money, I don't think they would do that at this point in time because Jason light, like it or not, has done a pretty decent job of drafting. And we've seen that now we've seen his players go out on the open market and get rid 
ridiculous amounts of money. So you still have to be able to pay your own guys. They had to be able to pay Donovan Smith. It was easier for them to replace a linebacker or a receiver than it was a, a left tackle this offseason. That's why Smith got paid and Quan Alexander didn't. You know, the, the open market and the draft dictated which positions were easier to replace. And left tackle, you a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush kind of thing. Nobody was going to be better than Donovan Smith that they could acquire. But they can get a Devin White. They can get a Devin Bush. They, you know, they can address the linebacker position. They went out and they got a Brashad Perryman. They can get a Hunter Renfro. You know, those are the the kind of signings <clears throat> and the kind of moves that we were looking for. Again, Arian said that they're not rebuilding, they're reloading. So this team was not void of talent to begin with. And yeah, they lost a talented guy in Quan, and they lost a talented guy in Adam Humphreys, but they weren't irreplaceable pieces. You know, this team still has a ridiculous amount of talent. What they were void of was competence from the coaching staff, competence in terms of offensive and defensive schemes. That's where... Bruce and Todd Bowles and Byron Leftwich, that's where they come in. All the all the position coaches. You know, you're going to see the difference that way. And I saw Trevor Sikama tweet it, and I thought it was well put. All these people screaming that, you know, they wanted to win the offseason. The Bucks already won the offseason. They already won by getting Bruce Arians. And we cannot stress enough how important coaching is, how much it truly matters. Yeah, so so going back to to kind of what you said just a second ago, uh, I I look at it as like robbing Peter to pay Paul, right? There is, I mean, the, the fact of the matter is there is a way the Buccaneers could have given Quan Alexander as much guaranteed money as the San Francisco 49ers did. All they would have to do is cut Gerald McCoy or Jason Pierre-Paul, essentially, is really all they would have had to do, or a combination of Mitch on Ryan Bo Allen and Will Golson, you know, whatever. But again, that's that's what I'm talking about. Like you're you're robbing Peter to pay Paul because if you cut all the depth pieces, well, now you have no depth and you're gonna use all the money you just saved to sign Quan, which great. You bring Quan back and the fans rejoice and everybody's happy. And I agree. I would have been happy too. However, what we'd be talking about today is the dangerous lack of depth uh on the defensive front and now in the linebacker position. The other thing to remember too, when we we went over this last year. Right now, we don't know who the Buccaneers haven't talked to. Nobody knows. The only thing you're going to find out is who they do talk to. So, like, the 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 news about Brashad Perryman before he, he signed with Cleveland and then obviously ultimately ended up coming to Tampa. Anyway, there, were, there was conversation about an hour or so before he signed with Cleveland saying, or agreed with Cleveland saying, Cleveland and the Bucs are both in on Brashad Perryman negotiations are getting hot because that's really when you find out is when things are quote unquote getting hot. There's nothing that says the Buccaneers didn't try to call Kansas city about D Ford. There's nothing that says Kansas city even offer the ability to talk to anybody else. I mean, guys, we don't, that's the, the whole thing you have to remember is we don't know how this happened. So, so try not to jump to too many conclusions. John Lynch may have called Kansas city and said, Hey, we're staying on the phone until we get this done. And basically, I'm not letting you off the phone because I'm not letting somebody else get in the way of my deal. We're going to get this done. And if that's the case, then Jason Light never had a, had a chance, to be quite honest with you. Or maybe Jason Light called Kansas City or Kansas City called Jason Light and they're like, we want a second. And he looked at Todd and Todd said, nah, it's not worth it. And they're moving on. And maybe they're right. Maybe they're wrong. We're never really going to know because 
if D4 goes to San Francisco and has great success, it doesn't mean he would have had great success in Tampa. We've been over that as well, right? The whole Derwin James situation. That's why it doesn't really kind of bother me because we're really talking about a whole lot of hypotheticals that we don't really know anything about when we don't know how anything would have actually turned out. What I'm more worried about is what the team did and kind of like what you were talking about, the players they brought in. Um, getting rid of anger. I like him as a punter. I, I appreciate what he did, but in the in the years and the times we were talking about how great of a punter he was, I said on this show as well, it's a little bit sad when we're having to celebrate our punter. So I would rather have a punter I don't have to celebrate than have a punter that I get to celebrate. So Rashad Perryman, I liked him coming out of college. Obviously, he's been a disappointment since he came out of college, but how many players in the league in history have we seen be a disappointment with one team or another and then go to another team and just get under the right coaching or get with the right system and, and get in the right environment and just flourish. So maybe that's what Perryman's going to do. And the great thing about it is Brashad Perryman come out of college was expected to be a number one receiver coming to Tampa. He's a number three receiver and probably a number four option. So he's not going to have those pressures. So he's going to have more comfortability being able to just kind of get used to the scheme and really just kind of ease into uh, the way that Bruce Arians and Byron left, which want him to operate in their offense. Everybody already knows I'm I'm thrilled uh, that Peyton Barber's coming back. Wish it was on more than a one-year deal, but I'll take a one-year deal right now if it gives me another season of uh, seeing Peyton Barber carry the rock for the Buccaneers. Uh, what else was there? Uh, Honey Badger, love the dude. He got paid way too much money. Don't don't blame him at all for taking it, but I wouldn't want the Bucks to pay that money uh, for any safety. Yeah, overall it was a it was a solid start to free agency. You know, if you went in understanding what the Bucks were going to do and not expecting them to be one of these, you know, headline makers. Um, and, and like I said, still more to come. There's going to be more roster moves made. There's going to be more players cut. There's going to be more players signed. You know, free agency isn't only for this week. You know, it, it lasts until the season's over, essentially. So, you know, plenty of moves to to still be made but in the meantime david let's let's have ourselves a little bit of fun we talked about doing this in celebration of the new league year that kicked off at four o'clock yesterday afternoon let's give our new league year resolutions do you would you like to go first or or do you want me to go first i'll let you go first i just rambled for a good minute All right, my new league year resolution for the Buccaneers is a pretty simple one. It's have faith. Have faith, and this is for the for the fans more so than the Buccaneers. You know, we just got done talking about you know how some of these fans are are driving us insane, and you know, speaking out of both sides of their mouth. This is for everyone, whether you're you know optimistic, pessimistic, and have faith in this team. Have faith in this coaching staff. Have the belief that Bruce Arians will continue to do what he has done at every stop along his career, and that was succeed. That he came out of retirement because, as he put it, the the stars aligned and his whole staff was available. That Todd Bowles is going to take this defense and shift some things around and they're not going to be a laughing stock anymore. There's too much talent on this team to be so pessimistic, and I get it. Bucks fans, for the better part of a decade outside of an outlier season in Dirk Cutter's first year, have been kicked in the groin year after year after year. They were excited about 
Josh Freeman and getting Vincent Jackson to be that weapon on the offense and having Carl Nix, you know, keep him upright and protect him. And that all fell apart. And then they were excited about Darrell Revis, who basically used Tampa to rehab and went on to win a Super Bowl with the New England Patriots. They were excited about Deshaun Goldson, and they were excited about TJ Ward and and Deshaun Jackson. And it's it's just been year after year after year of winning the offseason and getting excited only to be punched in the gut. But what you have to remember is during that time, you had a college coach who was in way over his head and infected the place with MRSA, ending Carl Nix's career. Yeah, ending Lawrence Tyne's career. You had a guy who was promoted from, you know, a position coach to a head coach within a few days. You had an over the hill, unwilling to adapt guy who came in and dug an even bigger hole before destroying my collegiate team. And then you had an offensive coordinator that had no belief in your quarterback, didn't set him up to succeed ran horrendous schemes, you know, pedestrian schemes that these defensive coordinators around the league picked apart with ease. Bruce Arians has a pedigree for a reason. The other coaches that have led the Bucks down this path for the last 10 years did not. That's what he brings. That's what this staff brings. You, know, you have a head coach that believes in your quarterback. That one of the biggest reasons he came out of retirement along with the fact that his his coaching staff lined up was that he believes in this guy that he has known since he was in the ninth grade. That this kid made such an impact on on him at a at a football camp that he's followed his career, even when he was in Pittsburgh or Indianapolis or Arizona, he was following James. Have faith that this coaching staff can finally get this team where we all believe they can be. Have faith that. The general manager, who is on his third head coach, but it really truly is only the first one that he's hired, is going to work well with this head coach that would not be here if it weren't for Jason Light. Say what you will about Jason Light, criticize his draft picks, criticize his free agent signings. Without Jason Light, Bruce Arians is not here, and he's made that clear. That's not me sticking up for Jason Light. That's me repeating exactly what Bruce Arians said. Someone asked him, I can't remember who it was, it might have been Jenna Lane, if Jason Light wasn't the general manager, would you have come to Tampa Bay? And he said no. Have faith that the two of them are going to work together to build a roster that is going to compete for a postseason berth. Not a Super Bowl yet. This isn't a Super Bowl roster yet. Baby steps. Let's just get to the postseason. That's my resolution. Or better Uh yet, my resolution assignment for all of our fans is to have faith in this football team. I disagree with you on one point. Oh, geez. Here we go. They're here. They're there to get a ring, James. I can't cuss or else I would. I know. Get a ring. I know. You, you, you um, play to win the thing. I know. I get it. Bruce Arians is known as the quarterback whisperer for a reason. And yes, he wrote the book that has the title and, and all that. But I don't believe Bruce Arians just woke up one day and said, you know what? I'm the quarterback whisperer. I'm going to go write a book. No, this is this is a long line of success that has that built towards the writing of the book. And and look, I think it was I actually I think it was you. I don't know. I don't remember who somebody 
got into it on Twitter earlier today with a Steelers fan or something basically saying, the Steelers fan was saying, since when is Bruce Arians this like, end-all, be-all? And look, nobody has suggested, at least to my knowledge yet, that the Lombardi Trophy be renamed the Arians Trophy, okay? But the bottom line is Bruce Arians is a man who has a track record. It's a good track record, and he he brings an air of him that, that makes you believe that you're going to be successful, okay? Even standing feet away from him, uh, in a sanitized environment like the scouting combine or, or like the media huddles doing, you know, media issues, you know, you're not getting 100% full on Bruce. Like there's things he thinks and, and wants and he's not going to tell the press for good reasons. But even when you know you're getting somewhat filtered information, you still just have a belief in him because he brings it out that this guy knows what he's doing and he's he's going to make it happen. The last time the Cleveland Browns went to the playoffs or had this much excitement, even close to surrounding their franchise, Bruce Arians was their offensive coordinator. When the Pittsburgh Steelers won their last Super Bowl, Bruce Arians was their offensive coordinator. When the Indianapolis Colts got their high-speed new quarterback, Andrew Luck, who came in and saved the franchise until he got hurt for a couple of years, but now he's back. He was coached up and, and molded in the very beginning of his career by Bruce Arians, who also took over for a cancer-stricken coach and won NFL Head Coach of the Year and then went to the Arizona Cardinals, resurrected that franchise, well, made they, them good. They had been in the Super Bowl just a few years before. Oh, that's true, because that's who Bruce Arians beat in the Super Bowl, right? Um, yep. Resurrected Carson Palmer's career, because remember, he was left for dead when he left Cincinnati, turned David Johnson into the star that he is. So I know like David Johnson's struggles aren't directly tied, I don't believe, anyway, to Bruce Arians leaving Arizona, but we can't deny that they probably didn't have at least a little bit of help on top of the injury. Uh, and, and kind of derailing him at this point. Hopefully he gets back on track next year, right? But Arians has earned the right to be trusted. He's earned the right to have fans believe in him before you ever see him put a Buccaneers product on the field. I understand why some fans don't want to get excited about it, but there's a difference between getting or, or holding back excitement and just insisting on looking at everything from a negative light uh, because you're so bruised and, and damaged from being a Bucks fan that you can't see anything as a positive. Okay, listen, uh, the, the Buccaneers aren't going to get every big free agent, and they're not going to get even the one that you really, really want to your team, which, you know, like for us was has been Tyron Matthew. I mean, Paige Demakos is closer to the Arians family than anybody I know. She wanted Tyron Matthew to come to the Buccaneers. It still didn't happen. Okay. But it doesn't mean that your your team isn't working. It doesn't mean that there isn't a plan. And to be honest with you, the more new pieces they bring into this team, the less the strategy they have for the team already could possibly work. If you if you really think about it, because all they have right now is tape. Like Arians and his staff have not been able to have in depth conversations with these players. It's against the CBA. They haven't been able to talk football with any of these players. It's against the CBA. There's a reason Peyton Barber's tablet didn't have a playbook on it. It's against the CBA. So right now, the plan and the strategy that this coaching staff is moving forward with for the 2019 season is based solely off of what they saw of these players under a different coaching staff. So they already only know them to a certain extent. The more new pieces you bring in, the less you know your team coming into OTAs. And OTAs, you're not really going to learn a whole lot about your team from a 11-on-11 standpoint. That's not really going to happen until camp. Well, by the time you hit camp, you can't be developing your initial strategy at camp. I mean, idea of what you're doing. And, and I kind of think back to John Gruden. When John Gruden came in, a lot of people say he won with Dungy's team, right? What I would say is he didn't win with Dungy's team, but he did win with Dungy's skeleton. 
And what I mean by that, like all the major bones and all the major pieces of that team were pretty much in place. What Gruden did was bring in some key role players who could help flesh everything out and put it all together, right? And I kind of see Bruce Arians doing a similar thing where some of your main pieces, I got it, your heart and soul is gone because Quan Alexander went somewhere else. That's not a Buccaneers thing, guys. That's a Quan Alexander thing. And I wouldn't be mad. I'm not mad at him. I hope you're not mad at him. But bottom line, that's not a Buccaneers didn't want him. That's a Quan wanted more money than they were willing to give him. That's just the business side of it, okay? But the most part, for the most part, Gerald McCoy is still there. Whether you like him or not, he's he's David is still there. Okay, your secondary, we're not going to talk about that right now because it goes against my point. Um, Ali Marpet is still there. Donovan Smith is back. Jameis Winston is still there. Peyton Barber is back. Mike Evans is back. Chris Godwin is back. OJ Howard is back. I mean, a lot of your main key contributors that people point to and say this roster is better than the record are back, are going to be back. So the team is developing a plan for those bones. And what they're looking for is your Dale Buchanan's. All right, what you're looking for is your Andre Ellington's, your guys who can come in, your Brashad Perryman's, and help flesh it out. If Brashad Perryman can play the Joe Juravicious role, you know what I mean? Fantastic. Because how much did that team need Joe Juravicious? Oh, so much Joe Juravicious. He was right? he was the key component. Yeah. But you know, so that's just, I guess that's the only parallel I can really draw. And I'm not saying that the Buccaneers are going to win a Super Bowl. I'm not saying that, you know, it's it's guaranteed to happen or that's what, exactly what's going to happen. But again, just something to put in your food bank. The more you change this roster before they get to camp, before they get to OTAs, the less this coaching staff knows because they know this team. And the less you know about a team, the less you can make a plan that you know will be solid. Which, again, part of the reason they're bringing a lot of their people back that they know, like your Dale Buchanan's, like your Andre Ellington, because at least now we're putting guys on the field where we don't know all these guys, but we do know some of these guys, and we think we know what we can do with the guys that we have left. You bring in like a, I don't know, like a, like a D Ford, you know what I'm saying? Not only have you never worked with him, but you've never seen him with these teammates. You've never seen him in your scheme, and now you just have a whole grip, a whole mess of unknowns coming in and you burned a second round draft pick. So if you get into camp and you go, crap, this ain't working. Well, the second round pick is gone. Now you've got a high price free agent or a trade acquisition that you just brought in that you're tied to. And he's a marquee name. So when you don't work with him and when it doesn't work, now you just suck as a coaching staff. You know what I'm saying? A whole lot of possible bad stuff happening to really spend as much capital as you're asking that team to, to to spend, if that makes sense. But then you look at teams like San Francisco, you look at teams like Cleveland. These are staffs and coaches who know their players, who know their roster. Freddie Kitchens knows what he has in Cleveland. John Dorsey knows what he has in Cleveland. They both know what they need in Cleveland. So when they make these moves, they know what they're already working with. The skeleton is already put together. The, the nervous system is already put together. Now they're just bringing in some really cool, shiny new limbs that have dyed hair and can make one-handed catches to to make things a little bit better. Totally different situations. So that's all. I mean, I, I like your your resolution, but that's kind of really all I want to say about it, which I know is a lot. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and uh, and get over to your resolution before we run out of time here tonight. Yeah. So my resolution is for the team, and it's it's for this coaching staff, and. I know it's, it's it's not as simple as it is, as it's going to sound when I say it, and I know somebody out there might think I'm cheating, but to show you that I'm not cheating, I'm going to throw some numbers at you. Okay, 
my New Year's resolution, my new league resolution for the new league year for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is to run the stinking ball some more. And I got it. Bruce Aarons has already said he wants to get better in the run game. But let's talk about just how much this team needs to improve in the run game. Okay. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, one of five, no, one of six teams, sorry, to throw the ball more than 600 times last season. One of those teams made the playoffs. One of those six teams made the playoffs, which kind of shows you that's not really a, a successful strategy as much as it is. It just kind of happened to work for one team. Now, on the flip side of things, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were 22nd in the league in carries, not yards, not touchdowns, just carries by like just trying to run. Okay. And I got it, guys. Some of this, and if you, if you sat back, you're like, well, it's because they were always playing from behind because the defense sucked. Got it. And I don't disagree with you completely. However, a 22nd in the league ranking and a fourth most in the league ranking, that's not just because your defense struggled. That's strategy. That's scheme. That's game planning. Okay. Some of that is. Now, if it's like 9 and 18, I can be like, yeah, well, the defense was rough, so they had to throw a lot more than they wanted to. Okay. A little bit closer. But that big of a gap, guys, that is football theology. That is a team, and, and not to be a dead horse, right, but this is a coach who had these numbers who said we're a run team first. Uh, well, I, I never saw it, okay? Bruce Arians has said the same thing. We need to establish the run. We need to get better in the run. So all I'm asking is give your running game a chance to actually be what you need it to be, and don't be 22nd in the league in rushing attempts. Don't have it to where I feel like I'm a fairly impartial writer. Like when the team does well, I'm, I think I'm good at identifying some things they done, they've done well. When they do poorly, I have a fairly accurate or a, a fairly good ability to say, here's what they did poorly in and not be biased in any way, shape, or form uh, while doing it. That's, I, that's how I assess my own writing, James. I don't know if you agree. But I remember one game specifically where I literally charted every single carry that Peyton Barber got. And in the entire first half, of the game. He didn't get a single carry on the opponent side of the 50. You I remember us talking about that. Yeah. It was the game where they had possessions and put up three points. Oh, uh, Washington. Yeah, buddy. And in that game, I wrote about it for Bucks Nation because your defense might not be all that great. Your offensive scoring may not all be, be all that great. But if you're not running the ball with your starting running back one time, on the opponent's side of the, of the field, that's football theology. That's not on your defense. That's not on your, your scoring offense. That's on your scheme. That's on your mentality. That's on your coaches. So we got new coaches. We got new coaches who are saying a lot of the same things, honestly, that some of our other coaches have said. Dirk Cutter said several times, this is a run-first team. I don't know too many run-first teams that don't run the ball on the opponent's side of the field, especially in the red zone. I want to see it. I need to see it in action. So that's my New Year's new league resolution is be the coach, be the coaching staff, be the football theologist who actually follow through on what you say. And when you say you want to establish a run game, please actually establish a running game. Well, and you spoke about, <clears throat> I can't remember which show it was, but you spoke about Bruce Arians and his, his, love of of Peyton Barber and he was going back through film and he talked about how Peyton Barber stood out you know all the way back to training camp after that show you know we were we were told exactly how much Bruce really does love Peyton Barber it wasn't just a show for the for the fan event you know it wasn't just coach speak he really truly does 
love Peyton Barber. That's why Peyton Barber is back. Yeah. And obviously Bruce and Byron Leftwich feel that that Peyton Barber and Ronald Jones are going to make a solid duo. Because we've heard we've heard Bruce say that that he feels that he can get a lot out of Ronald Jones. They bring in Andre Ellington, who, you know, a lot of that may have to do with helping these other backs and, and helping some of these offensive players with the with the implement of the implementation of the system, um, you know, kind of that Jacquez role, maybe on third downs, you know, give, give Barber a spell here and there. Cause he's, he is a dual threat. He can run and, and he can be effective in the passing game. So I don't think the bucks sign Ellington sign Barber without the intention of utilizing them. I, you know, I'll, I'll wave my, my white flag that you were right. I figured they were going to go after running back in free agency. They may still draft one. We don't know, but you know, I didn't feel like Peyton Barber was going to be the starting running back and that's nothing against Peyton. That was just how I felt about it. I felt that they might pursue a different running back. You know, Tevin Coleman reunites with his, with his former coach in, in Shanahan out in San Francisco on a two year, $10 million deal. Like the bucks could have paid that. That was a contract they could have paid. They could have afforded Mark Ingram at the end of the day, Bruce wanted Peyton Barber. And I don't think he keeps Peyton Barber around if he doesn't plan on using him. So I think we are going to see a little bit more of a commitment to the run game. And I don't think we're going to see those situations where Barber gets the ball you know, for two series, then all of a sudden he's on the bench for three. You know, when when Dirk, for whatever reason, decided that you know Jacquez Rogers had to have those those series. You know, or or when Doug Martin was running well, and then all of a sudden he would bench Doug Martin for two or three series, and then put him back out there because of of Charles Sims who couldn't run between the tackles of his life depended on it. Yeah, I don't think we're going to see that with Bruce. I think if if Peyton's running the ball well, he's going to stick with Peyton. So I, I do believe we're going to see a little bit more of a commitment to the run game. Yeah, buddy. Uh, all right. Well, David, I think we are way over on time. Um, so we're going to go ahead and wrap this thing up. Tomorrow we are going to get to some of your voicemails. You guys have flooded our, uh, our voicemails. And uh, we're going to get through as many of those as possible unless we have to talk about any kind of important breaking news at the at the moment uh but we will get through as many of those voicemails as we possibly can regardless of what else comes up if you would like to leave your voicemail if you have a a resolution you would like to share or you have an opinion as to what the bucks are doing in free agency give us a call at 813-444-5800 one. Make sure you're checking out everything David and I are doing over at BucksNation.com. Make sure you're following along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JRCO underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, at Bucks underscore Nation. Hope you all have a wonderful day, and thanks so much for joining us right here at LockedOnBucks. Bucks.